So the Auditor General came out with a report yesterday, and well, I'll allow Sabrina and Angie to characterize exactly how she described things, but Bonnie Lissick said the process was bias. The process of designating which parcels of land in the green belt would be freed up for development was bias. And the majority of times that land was being um, rezoned to the benefit of people who were very friendly with the government. This selection exercise effectively excluded substantive input from many subject matter experts in the housing ministry and other ministries and municipalities, First Nation leaders and the public. More troubling still, the process was biased in favor of certain developers and landowners who had timely access to the housing minister's chief of staff. Owners of the 15 land sites removed from the Greenbelt could ultimately see more than a collective $8.3 billion increase to the value of their properties. And reflect on that for a moment, because as The Economist in the last half hour was pointing out, it's kind of like insider trading. If these people had an intimation that their property was going to be rezoned, then the property they didn't own, they would go in and buy at a discount. And now that land is worth $8.3 billion more. Merritt Stiles was pretty hard hitting about this yesterday. She said it's either corruption or incompetence. It can't, you know, can't be anything else. And again, if the government wants to come out and defend what happened and say, no, no, we just didn't know, we're, we're just that incompetent. I mean, this is the premier of this province. And, and as, I, as I read it, he also shared this. This was his request of, the, of, of his minister in the mandate letter, which, by the way, I will point out, they have yet to share. In fact, they're going to court to try to prevent people from reading their mandate letters. Well, here's why. Mm-hmm. Because this speaks to, you know, who's actually uh, needs to be held account for this government's decisions and what their real plan is for Ontario. Sabrina Nanji is with Queen's Park Observer and joins us now. Good morning, Sabrina. Good morning, John. Well, that was quite the day yesterday. I was uh, following the whole thing uh, from a treadmill, and I thought, oh, this is bad. Yeah, I mean, this was something that... uh we had been hearing for, you know, days, weeks before the report came out. I mean, typically the government gets a a sneak preview and the staff, you know, politicians were leaking to reporters about how bad it could be. Someone told me it ain't good. And I think that came to fruition when, when we had the big reveal from Bonnie Lissick yesterday. I mean, this is the closest thing to a smoking gun that we've had after months of allegations that developers, uh, you know, weren't tipped off that these uh, now lucrative of lands were going to be opened up, but they had direct influence over deciding which lands were re- going to be removed from the green belt. I think it was good on the premier and good on housing minister Steve Clark for sort of admitting that the process was flawed, but they really didn't go far enough into damage control mode um, in, you know, saying they would relook at these lands. That's the one recommendation they did not agree to do. Um, You know, Housing Minister Steve Clark is still in his role. His chief of staff, who shouldered a lot of the blame in the report, um, is still sticking around for now. I think it's possible these guys spend some time in the penalty box as this played out. But I think you can see that the Ford government knows how potentially damaging this is for them um, because they were right at the podium. They were taking questions roughly an hour after the AG rather than sort of like, 
you know, see how it plays out over the next few days. So I, I think they do see the writing on the wall here, but I'm not sure if it's going to fly with the public, their response to this so far, which is essentially the ends justify the means. Back in the day, and I've been covering politics for 30 years, you've been in this for a good long time, a uh, scandal like this would be, that's it, the minister's out or the chief of staff is out. Um, but I think we've learned in recent decades that if you just wait it out, people move on. Do you think they're going to be able to wait this out? I think that is a good question and it remains to be seen. I do think this is probably the closest thing to like a black and white scandal that the Ford government has had to contend with so far. Um, but they were given a whopping majority just last June. And despite, you know, a string of controversies since then, they haven't really been knocked off their pedestal in terms of public polling. But it, it, this isn't over yet. You know, the Auditor General obviously highlighted a lot of, um, you know, errors in the process. I mean, she said she couldn't even call it a process. It was an exercise because of how this went down. Um, But she's not the only one that's been digging into this, right? Like the ethics commissioner, J. David Wake, also has his tandem report. Uh, We don't have a timeline on that. But, uh, you know, obviously, when it comes to the ethics side of things, I think he'll have some things to share about this. And the OPP has also been sniffing around. I mean, their anti-rackets branch hasn't launched, launched a formal investigation just yet. But I think one thing that really stood out to me in the AG's presser yesterday was the fact that she said she shared her findings with police. And while they haven't launched a formal investigation yet, um, I do think that they're they're still looking into this and it's still an open-ended question. So this isn't really over for the Ford government yet. Um, And I do think that this could probably be the beginning of an even bigger headache for them. Thank you very much for this. Good to have you. Thanks for having me. Sabrina Nanji is with uh, Queen's Park Observer, which is a political newsletter that you can actually subscribe to. 